Thank you guys for leading worship as always. And as you know, uh, Marco Mejia, our minister of contemporary worship, took a, took a position up in Northern California at one of our sister churches up there. So we, we thank God for his ministry. And thank you uh, for Chris and Kelly stepping in. And uh, during this interim time, uh, the Lord will lead us through and we'll get through it together. So anyway, grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. And once again, happy Mother's Day to all you moms and mother figures out there and uh, all of you joining us online. Uh, happy Mother's Day. So, all right. Back in 1972, Johnny Nash put out the song, I Can See Clearly Now, right? Everybody know that song? Have you heard it before? It kind of goes like this. You can join in if you want. I know you want to. Uh-huh. Hear the words. I know you know this part. Come on, sing it out. All right, we can wrap it up there. Okay, we'll keep going. That's a great song, right? Have you heard that song before? Raise your hand if you heard that song, right? Everybody knows that song. Man, that thing has been covered so many times. But here are the lyrics. I can see clearly. Gone are the dark clouds that had me blind. Sometimes it's hard for us to see things clearly, right? Sometimes the dark clouds blind our way and they impair our vision. And we need the storm front to be blown away so that we can see clearly. But it's something that we cannot do by ourselves, right? God is in control. He's in control of the weather. He, God's in control of the clouds. God's in control of the storms and the winds. And he is the one that brings the bright, 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 sunshiny day, sunshiny way, right? Well, something like that actually happens in our text today because there are obstacles in the way. Dark clouds had been forming and looming for generations, blinding the people of God from seeing clearly the mission of God. And the momentum that has been building from the resurrection of Jesus and the great spirit-led events of the early church that we have been looking at each week, they keep adding to the momentum. Remember, momentum is the strength or force gained by motion or by a series of events, right? These are the series of events that we've been looking at each week in our sermon series. And truly, they are momentum-building, spirit-infused events. And in Acts chapter 10 today, we see another one of these events. We see some big obstacles, some dark clouds blown away by the mighty wind of the Spirit. Not unlike the Spirit hovering over creation, the Spirit here, the wind blows, and we see the new creation in Jesus Christ coming to life in our text today. And it happens for more than one person. More than one, one, more than one person sees things clearly now. And I'd like to argue that perhaps this morning, the momentum will overtake all of us a bit and help us to see more clearly, help us to identify the dark clouds that blind us and that impair our vision. So let's review a little bit of what is going on in the early church after the resurrection of Jesus and in the book of Acts. Remember, the book of Acts is a history book of the early church after Jesus ascends. But right before Jesus ascends to the right hand of the Father, we're going to look at all that next week, 
Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says this, says, Jesus says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so in the book of Acts, we see this unfold. In fact, it's a truly radical history when you look at it. You see, and while Jesus said those words, watching it unfold and seeing it clearly was very difficult for the disciples, for the early church. Living it out was difficult for them. Like, how did the church arrive at the point where insiders were willing to include outsiders? And not just in name, not just in word, but really include them. Well, we saw it started in Jerusalem. And then the church got persecuted. They brought the good news because of the persecution to Samaria. Last week, we saw the inclusive nature of God's love and the gospel with the conversion of the Ethiopian eunuch. And in Acts, right before our text today, we see Saul, a murderous persecutor of the church. Talk about outsider, right? He becomes God's chosen instrument. And as you read through the book of Acts, you're just kind of looking, and where is the momentum going to take us next? Where is the gospel going to go to next? And in Acts chapter 10 and 11, we see the answer to that question. In the beginning of Acts chapter 10, there's a guy by the name of Cornelius. He comes on the scene. And I'm not talking about Babar's royal advisor here, right? This is Cornelius, a Gentile, a Roman, a Gentile Roman army officer. This guy made his living by the military occupation of someone else's country. He's an outsider. He's on the fringe. Now, it does say in the text he was a devout man, and he prayed, and he did good deeds. But make no mistake about it, this guy is not an insider. He's an outsider. An angel appears in a vision to uh, Cornelius, and he says to him, send some men down to Joppa, and go get this guy named Simon Peter. So the next day, he sent messengers to go get Peter. And while they were going, Peter was praying, and he saw a vision. A vision of this sheet coming down from the sky with all sorts of animals and reptiles and birds that the Jewish people said were unclean. The Jewish people would not eat these because they were unclean. But a voice said to Peter, get up and eat. And Peter was like, whoa, no way. That stuff is impure and clean. In verse 15 it says, but the voice spoke again. Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. It happened three times, it says in the text. Three times. You know Peter, right? He denied Jesus three times. Three times he got reinstated. He got, he's got to hear it over and over again to get it into his brain. Three times. And so then Peter asks a good Lutheran question. He says, what does this mean? And right then, Cornelius' messengers arrived, and the Holy Spirit started to blow the clouds of confusion away. Verse 19 says, meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over the vision of the sheep coming down and all that stuff and the animals, the Holy Spirit, all right, the Holy Spirit said to him, three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, for I have sent them. All right, so next day, Peter went with them. And this wasn't like down the road. This is a 33-mile walk away, okay? It wasn't a short trip back in those days. And I just love how Peter, he just went not knowing exactly what was going to happen. A little side note on that, disciples of Jesus at times have to say that, right? They have to say, Lord, I do not know where you are leading me, but here I am, I'm going with you, let's go. So he got to Cornelius' house, and he gets to Cornelius' house, and he's like, he tells him, 
You know, it's against our laws for a Jewish man like myself to enter a Gentile's house like yours. It's against our laws for me to even associate with you. But Peter had realized that the vision of the unclean food wasn't just about food. It was about people. And so he says in verse 28, he says to Cornelius, he says, God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. Now, when we read that, this is when we start to ask, interesting, is this a story about the conversion of a Gentile Cornelius there? Or is this a story about the conversion of the apostle Peter? Both Cornelius and Peter needed some changing in their lives, in their hearts, in their minds, in their way of life if God's mission was going to go forward. Cornelius then tells him about the vision that he had and about the angel telling him to go send to Peter. And so they were all waiting there for Peter to hear what God would tell Cornelius and his family and his friends all gathered around, all of them Gentiles. All these people were outsiders, right? The Jewish people would never enter into their homes or associate with them. And now here Peter is in the home, associating with them, going to speak on behalf of God to them. And this is when Peter starts to sing Johnny Nash's song. I can see clearly now the rain is gone. The Holy Spirit is blowing away generations of dark clouds that clouded the hearts and minds and the eyes of the Jewish people to the people around them. Peter replied in verse 34, I see very clearly. In the Greek, it says, I can see clearly now. No. I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism. Peter says that he now, he sees it all clearly. But we're kind of like on this side of everything, well, why didn't you see that before? Right? What about the Samaritans? What about the Ethiopian eunuch from last week? But you see, this is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, blowing in a powerful way, trying to eradicate every dark cloud of favoritism, every dark cloud of partiality. God does not play favorites. God does not show partiality. And we see the Holy Spirit driving this home time after time, event after event, building momentum. The Holy Spirit is blowing away all the dark clouds of self-centered religion. And it's upsetting, and it's exciting, it's world-reversing, it's radical, it's shocking, it's awesome. And it's all what Jesus said would happen. The Spirit has been blowing the full blast of the gospel from Jerusalem to Samaria with all those quote-unquote half-breeds to that desert road with Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. And now this Roman soldier, a Gentile, a representative of the very force and nation that is occupying their country. That's pretty radical. The spirit had to do this time and time and time and time again to help the disciples realize, not just in words, but in actions and in truth and in their hearts, to realize the full implication and impact of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that God shows no favoritism, no partiality. It's not just an idea. It means going into homes that you'd never go into. 
It means eating with people that you would never have eaten with before. That's what Peter did. And Peter continues in the spirit of the Great Commission. The Great Commission, remember Jesus said, make disciples of all nations. To quote my good friend, Greek, Greek scholar Chris Higgins, all means all in the Greek too. He looked it up, right? Peter continues in verse 35 and says, in every nation, God accepts those who fear him and do what is right. Every nation means every nation. Even the one that was oppressing and occupying them. Even this Roman soldier who is paid by that occupying country to enforce its presence. That's amazing. Peter says, this is the message of good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. All means Jews and Samaritans and Gentiles and Ethiopians and Romans and Americans and Mexicans and Canadians and all. You know what happened, Peter says, throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after John began preaching his message of baptism. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. And we apostles, Peter says, are witnesses of all he did throughout Judea and Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a cross, but God raised him to life on the third day. Then God allowed him to appear, not to the general public, but to us whom God had chosen in advance to be his witnesses. We were those who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead, and he ordered us to preach everywhere and to testify that Jesus is the one appointed by God to be the judge of all the living and the dead. He is the one all the prophets testified about saying that, there it is again, everyone who believes in him will have their sins forgiven through his name. Everyone. God does not show favoritism. God is impartial. But even as Peter was saying all these things, claiming how he is a witness, he still wasn't seeing 100% clearly. He was singing the Johnny Nash song, but he still didn't realize it. Nor were his companions, right? The Holy Spirit needed to blast the gospel wind in again and blow away all the dark clouds of favoritism and partiality, even the clouds that Peter could not see in his heart and mind that were still clouding his vision. Verse 44 says, even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening. That's all these Gentile folk listening to the message. The Jewish believers who came with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too. Wait, what? Why would they be amazed? Didn't Peter just had the vision, and didn't he say multiple times, God does not show favoritism. And God had shown him that no human is impure or unclean because they aren't Jewish. But you see, they just couldn't comprehensively, completely grasp the extent of God's impartiality. That God really does not show favoritism. And so Peter, seeing even more clearly than before, like the Ethiopian eunuch from last week, remember he said, why shouldn't I be baptized? Peter says in verse 47, Peter asked, can anyone, can anyone object to there, the, all these Gentiles there being baptized now that they have received the Holy Spirit just as we did? 
And so he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen to that. And then afterward, Cornelius asked him to stay with them for several days. Several days, Peter, the Jew, hanging out with Cornelius and his family, the Gentiles, hanging out, community, living life together. I love it. I love it how the mighty spirit has been blowing away the dark, blinding clouds of favoritism and partiality over and over again in these momentum-building events in the book of Acts. Right, starting with the moment of the resurrection and it just keeps building and building and building and Jesus' followers see more and more clearly the all-encompassing mission of Jesus and his love for all people. But we have to pause a bit and see the reality that when Jesus gave the great commission to go and make disciples of all nations, it took the disciples multiple momentum-building, spirit-infused events for them to realize the far-reaching nature of all nations. They had blind spots. They needed to be cleared up by the Spirit. The dark clouds needed to be blown away by the Spirit so the mission of God could be unleashed and go forward. And as we see in our text, even a Roman Gentile soldier could be baptized and come to faith in Jesus. Love that. Well, what do we do with all this? How do we bring it home today? First, like Cornelius, and we're going to sing about this in our last song, like Cornelius and all his family, and all his friends, we should be filled with awesome, great joy and gratitude that God favors us. He favors us just as much as he favors everyone made in his image. And that's just something for us to sit in today. That's what we come to church for. We are reminded of who we are, reminded, especially, especially today, we were reminded that all those times, all those times that we've been on the wrong side of favoritism, the wrong side of partiality, we, when we've been excluded, we are reminded today that God never does that. With God, that is never the case. God never shows favoritism. God never shows partiality. He brings us in. He welcomes us in with open arms. But I think the second thing this text invites us to do is to be part of the bigger momentum and moving of the great wind of the Spirit who is continuing to drive out partiality, who is continuing to drive out favoritism in the world today. Like Peter, we might think, I can see clearly, we're singing with Johnny Nash, oh, I see everything clearly. But we might want to pause and think, do we really? Like the Jewish companions of Peter who were surprised that the Gentiles received the Spirit. What sort of dark cloud of unconscious partiality still blocks our vision? Think about it this way. Who would you never dream of associating with? Whose house would you never have, think, have, never have thought to enter and eat with them and stay with them? Think about who that is in your life. Who is it in your life that, well, I'm never going to associate with those people. I would never dream of going over to their house or spending a few days with them. I think if we're honest with ourselves, there's some people like that in our lives. And I hope that 
the Spirit of God in this moment, in this time, in this, in this text today would blow that dark cloud away for you and for me because I know I got a lot of them. I hope that the Spirit blows that dark cloud away so that we can see clearly now. See every human being as God does without favoritism, without partiality. And when that happens, my friend, you know what that's going to be? That's going to be a bright, 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 sunshiny day. Amen? Amen.